0: All right, but, um, but tonight, I've, I've learned a lot of things throughout my life. Um, I'm not going to go into all of those things, but I want to hit some highlights for you tonight. Maybe you have, have shared some of these experiences, but um, just to give you a little glimpse into how far I have grown and how far I've come. Um, I remember at the age of seven, I learned that an SOS pad and a sponge do not do the same things to car doors. All right, <laughs> Uh, I was seven, okay? My, my brothers thought it was awesome, though, that I had a nice clean white spot on a silver car. It was, it was amazing. They were proud. Um, and then at nine, I remember at nine years old, um, I learned that if you and your friends throw knives and sharp objects at a tree for long enough, um, that you can actually kill that tree, um, and also side note, it makes your neighbors really mad because you killed the tree in their yard. All right. So me and my brothers and my friends, we did stupid things and thought we were ninjas and learned a lot. Um, and then at, at 13, I learned choose wisely who you toilet paper houses with. All right. You two, yeah, I, I learned that lesson. We all learned that lesson at the same time with that one guy and his police car. Yeah. Um, at 19, I learned that, um, that when when I watch someone draw blood from my arm, that I pass out approximately two minutes and thirteen seconds later. Um, and my mom and a five foot nothing nurse found that out with me. We all learned together. It was amazing. Um, I got really close to that woman. Um, and then at the age of twenty seven, uh, at the age of twenty seven, I learned that they do have cameras on roller coasters. And if you pull your phone out to take a picture after the train leaves the station, they will stop the roller coaster at the top of the first hill and send a nice gentleman with a badge up to speak to you. All right, me and my brother-in-law sitting on the front row of a roller coaster at Cedar Point Amusement Park learned that one together, okay? It was a lovely experience, and the picture will never be shown. So, my point of all of that. Is, is, is simply this. All these lessons in life, you know, is, is this one thing, that who you're next to matters. If you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write that down. Who you're next to matters. Who you do life with matters. Who you're in relationship with matters. And, and here's, here's why. Because who I'm right next to will determine what's next for me. It will determine what gets built up in my life, and it will also determine what gets torn down. In my life, who I'm next to matters. God shows us this in Genesis. He says, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. So he goes out of his way to create someone just for us to be in relationship with. Why? Because God knew it too. who you're next to matters. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 3, verse 2, it says this, People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zechur, son of Imri. And so I'm not going to read this entire chapter, but if I were to, over, it's actually right at 27 times in chapter 3. Nehemiah refers to people as and next to them, and then right next to them, and then after them. Here's why. Because Nehemiah knew who you're next to matters. This is how these people built this wall. They did this amazing thing. In 52 days, they built this wall. Here's the thing about rebuilding a wall too. If the section in front of your house is really strong and well built and put together, but the people who are closest to you, their wall is not really strong and put together, the enemy still gets in. And he comes after you. If, if, if in your life, if you're trying to rebuild this relationship with Jesus but the people that you are closest to want nothing to do with that, the enemy will still find a way into you. He will still get in, and he will still get a hold of you. So who you're next to matters. And this is not a sermon on on don't have any non-Christian friends. This is actually the opposite of that. So pay attention tonight. It's the opposite of that, okay? This is not that. But we're talking about who are the people that are closest to you. They matter. They matter the people closest to you, they matter. And if you're the one tonight that's keeping the passage open for the enemy to attack your friends, you need to realize that tonight. It's really easy to point the finger at other people, but if you're the one in rebuilding that relationship and rebuilding that wall in your life, if you're the one that your friends that are closest to you, they're really working on it and you're like, I don't really care. Are you the one allowing the enemy to get in and rob your friends and ruin their lives? Who I'm next to will determine what's next for me. Who I'm next to determines what gets built up in my life and what gets torn down in my life. And and if you're in this room, what gets built up and what gets torn down, it will determine whether or not you walk into the future that God has for you, or if you will be just another statistic of someone who lost out on all the relationships in their life that were supposed to matter the most. So I'm gonna pray for us tonight. I, I I wanna talk about what will determine what gets built up and torn down. So let's pray. God, I thank you for this time tonight. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to dive into your word, to be in your presence. God, I, I pray tonight that, that this would not be a message that we start looking around and looking outwards, but tonight we would examine ourselves. God, that, that we would look deep inside of us tonight to see, God, where do we need to grow? Where do we need to change? In Jesus' name, amen. So here's, here's, here's the passage that we're going to kind of be working with tonight. It's, it's, you know, we're not going to keep putting it up throughout the night, but it's, it's going to be the reference that we keep coming back to. And it's John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And here's how it simply starts. So now I'm giving you a new command. Let's stop right there real quick. Side note. This is not actually a new command as in they've never heard this before. Okay, because actually it was stated back in Genesis even. But Jesus is drawing their attention to this and saying, "Hey, here's the deal. I'm serious about this." Like like don't 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 just read that and be like, "Oh yeah, he mentioned that." He's like, "No, let's let's this is a focus kind of thing everybody. I'm serious about this." He says, "So now I'm giving you a new command. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This is what this is telling us. The indicator of a Christian life is not how many Bible verses you know. It's not the church you go to or how often you go to church. That's not what it is. It's not if you're nice to people. That that, that has nothing to do with it. You are known as an authentic Christ follower by how well you love other people. You're an authentic Christ follower. I love that word, authentic. All right. It's your true self. Uh, You know, college students today, young adults today, we're constantly searching for truth. The world right now is looking for anything that is actually authentic. The world hates fake. We make fun of things that are fake. Okay. I I mean, think about this for a second. Everyone right now is like fake is, fake stuff is bad. All right. Fake stuff will give you cancer, okay? That's what that's what we say. Now, every time I drink a Coke Zero or an energy drink, which I'm not right now because we're on the Daniel fast, that's a side note. So every time I do that, people are like, that's not good for you. I'm like, it doesn't have any sugar in it. Oh, it's got that fake sugar in it. It's gonna give you cancer. You're gonna die. I'm like, well, I'm either gonna get fat or I'm gonna die. What what is it? Okay, come on. I'm like, stop stop with the fake stuff, okay? We don't we don't like fake. My wife, my wife likes homemade pancakes, okay? I grew up on the Hungry Jack box of pancakes, all right? Anybody else with me on that? (laughs) I think they're good, I don't care. And they're simple, you just add water, done. All right, this is awesome, all right? I'm in college, I'm like, yeah, I can make these, this is great, I'm good, okay? You just add water, it's great. She's like, those are fake. I'm like, well, you know what, sometimes I like fake, it's cheap and easy, all right, this is awesome. But that's the thing about stuff that's fake, it's cheap and it's easy in the beginning. But eventually it will cost you more because of the effect that it leaves. And so so I'm going to take a few moments tonight to talk about this. And and, and so finally now we're getting to the title of this message. So I hope you left space at the top. We're talking tonight about fake friends. We're in the series Real Friends, but we're going to talk about fake friends. Uh, I was... I was a youth, uh, I was in youth, all right, not a youth pastor at this point in time. In the 90s, shut up, just don't say a word, all right, just keep looking. All right, in the 90s, okay, and there was a really, really, really popular Christian singer in the 90s. He's, he's still around, but I don't listen to him. Um, it's Michael W. Smith. Anybody here not Michael W. Smith? We go, we go way back? Yeah. You remember that song, Friends Are Friends Forever? Homeschool kids? Yeah. You know they played it at your homeschool prom, yeah, they did. Yeah. Lifetime's not too long to live as friends. You thought they were just trying not to get you to sleep with each other. They were letting you know this is your future. Just friends, baby. All right? I'm sorry. There I go again. Or maybe, you know, in between going, you know, from homeschool to karate practice, you listen to it in the car, you know, because your mom thought you were too violent, I guess. All right? Download it on iTunes. Listen to it on the way home. I'll say this right now. You're welcome. Okay? But here's the deal, when, when I was, I remember being in youth and like at the end of every like summer camp and retreats, you know, when they would put the video collage together, which wasn't actually a video, it was a bunch of pictures, all right, put together. We weren't that high tech at that time. All right, they would put this together and they always put it to that song. All right, everybody would be like, oh, okay, I hated you the whole week, but now we're in a, we're in a video collage together. <laughs> I love you, Okay. Or like if you were in youth group and your youth pastor was like really frustrated with the group because they were all bickering and fighting and everything, you know, he would do some message and then play that song at the end of it. And it was like the most fake everybody ever got. All right. Because you try to muster up a tear, you know, and and you, you know, you, you say you're sorry to people and you say that you forgive people. But as soon as that service is over, you're out the door, everything's back to the way it was. Here's the thing, though i 'm not asking you tonight to identify your fake friends. That would be easy. Fake friends are obvious i 'm asking you tonight, are you one? Are you a fake friend to the people that matter most, the people that are right next to you? Are you a fake friend so so this isn't this this has been a hard message to process i 've been working on even before Jared talked to me about speaking, I've been working on this for a while. And I don't think I've been working on this as much as God's been working on me because I, I am, I am a, an offender of being a fake friend at times. I, I, struggle, I struggle with that at times. Okay. And, and, and I'm not saying we all do, but, but I'm pretty sure in this room, many of us do. And so it's, it's, it's kind of different for everybody, but I want to I talk about that tonight, the, the, the fake friend, the power, what a fake friend actually does. And when I talk about this now, I don't want to think, oh man, I got all these, these fake friends. If, if you have fake friends, this isn't that message, but fake friends are really easy to get rid of. I'll tell you how you get rid of all your fake friends. You become a real friend. You will lose every fake friend you ever had. They will either change into a real friend or they will change the amount of time they spend hanging out with you. That's how you get rid of a fake friend. You become a real friend. It's very simple. It's not hard. We make it too complicated. But I'm asking you tonight, are, are you a fake friend to the people that are around you? Because according to the, the scripture that we read, it's, it's almost it's, it's virtually impossible. They don't go together to be a real Christ follower and to be a consistently fake Friend. It's very hard to do both of those things at the same time. It's very difficult, near impossible. So, so if, if who you are, if who you're next to matters, if it determines what gets built up and what gets destroyed in your life, then I want to look at a story from the Old Testament here and discover the effect of fake friends and real friends. So we're, we're going to read a little Bible tonight. I hope that's okay with you. If it's not, I've got the microphone. Joshua chapter six, verses six through 11 um, is where we're going to be here. Okay. So a very popular story. Here we go. So Joshua called together the priest and said, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people. March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns, As and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns, and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. So they had marching music. This is great. Do not shout. Do not even talk. That's an important part right there. Joshua commanded not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Here we go. Three truths of fake friends and real friends. Number one, for real friends, distance doesn't matter. And I say that, and you begin to think, oh, long distance relationship, you know, great. No, we're not talking about long. That, that has nothing to do with this, actually. When Joshua tells the people that they are, and, and in case you don't know this, story, let me back up for a second. So God has ordered these people to march around this city wall. And he says, I've promised you this city. I'm going to give you this city. But all he tells them to do is march. He doesn't tell them to attack it. He doesn't tell them to knock it over. He just says, I want you to march, and I'm giving you the city. All right. And so when Joshua tells the people that they're going to march, he doesn't tell them how long they're going to have to march for. He doesn't tell them how many days. He doesn't, he's not like, hey, keep your Fitbit on, track the mileage. This is going to be awesome. We're going to lose weight together. He doesn't tell them any of that. He doesn't tell them how long this is going to be. All he tells them is we're going to march, and God has promised to give us this city. I mean, think about that. Every day, they're going to walk over the same footsteps from yesterday. All right? You know, it's Thursday, and they're going to see the gum that they spit out on Tuesday. Okay? They're going to see the rock that they kicked up against the wall on Monday. All right? they You know, one of them is hitting the wall to mark days and laps. Okay? They're going to see that rock every single day. They're going to see the same things every single time. And, and they would be right next to the same person, all right? They're going to line it up every day in the same order, same people. Here we go, we're marching. And it's easy in those moments to get very discouraged when you're just going over the same thing over and over and over again. But that's what fake friends will do. They will somehow find a way to discourage you, even though you are right next to God's promise. They will find somehow to discourage you, even though you're right next to God's promise. Let me ask you this: Have you ever done a race with someone, not against someone, but with someone? My wife and I—we have, we have, you know, done several different races and different types of Spartan races and all that stuff. We've done those. We do, we're not competing against each other. We do those races together. And, and, and here's what, what I've learned: All right, I've run a lot of these, and, and when I don't think I can take another step, when I don't, when I, I'm like there. There is no way for the love of everything good and holy that I can continue this race. You know, and she's just trucking along. All right. What that does to me is say, you know what? If she can keep going, I can keep going. Not because I think I've got to beat her, but it's because I want to stay right next to her. I want to run with her. And so I've got to catch up. I, I, I've, I've got to speed up. If, if she can do it, then I know that I can. When you're walking next to the right person, if who's right next to you matters, when you're walking next to the right person, you can keep going even when you think you can't. When you are next to the wrong person, they will discourage you from taking another step because all they see are the problems. All they see is, is everything that's going wrong. It makes it that much harder to keep going. So which one are you for the people that you live life next to? Are you the one that tells them, come on, we can do this? Or are you the one that causes them to stop and get discouraged, even though the promises of God are right next to them? They could reach out and touch it. But that's what a real friend does. No matter how long it takes, no matter how many laps you have to make, as long as both of you are going after the promises of God, a real friend will keep going with you. Here's the second one. Real friends build faith, not feelings. Real friends build, build faith. Fake friends will fuel your feelings. Remember, if who I'm right next to determines what gets built up and what gets torn down, for the wall to being torn down, their faith had to first be built up. And in all the time this group walked around the wall, there's something that never happened. The wall never cracked. It wasn't like day three and they're like, ooh, it's starting to lean, we've got this, okay? Never one time. Oh, I see a weak spot, there's a hole over here, we've got a leak, this is, what, this is where it's gonna happen right here. Never one time. Never, never, Like crumbs falling off the wall, never one time. It, it never happened. And so we would start to kind of feel like maybe this isn't what God has called me to do, even though, yeah, we heard him tell us this is what he's called us to do, but it's not really working out. So maybe this just this just doesn't feel like it. I don't feel good about this. Fake friends use their feelings a lot. A real friend will encourage your faith. A real friend will speak truth. A real friend will remind you of all the times that God has come through. That's what a real friend does of how faithful God is. If we were to read the entire passage, there's a part where God is speaking to Joshua and he says, see, I have delivered them into your hands. God is speaking like it's already done. And he's like, hey, I I need you to see this. But here's the thing, they weren't seeing this. This is a God is referring to their faith. You need to see this on the inside, even though it doesn't feel like it on the outside. I, I need you to have faith here, is what he's talking about. That's what you need to see with the eyes of faith, not just what you're feeling. Well, what is. What does what that actually, what, what does that look like? I, I don't even, that, that doesn't even make any sense. Well, it looks just like Jesus. And here's what I mean like that, by that. I love the story uh, in, in the New Testament where they bring this woman out who's been caught in adultery and all the religious leaders are there and Jesus is there and they want to stone her, they want to kill her, and they want Jesus to tell them to do it. And, and Jesus, he doesn't say anything. Here's what's amazing about Jesus. It's just as powerful as what Jesus says. It's equally as powerful what Jesus doesn't say. And in real friendship, what you say is powerful, but so is what you don't say is very powerful. Remember that. And and, and so Jesus begins to go on the ground and he writes, and we have no idea what he writes. But we do know this, that it caused every single religious leader with rocks in hand and everything else to leave. And this, this poor girl is left standing there and I'm sure she's full of emotions there's a lot of feelings going on here she's like well that's great everybody who wanted to kill me is gone but now I'm left by myself and nobody else is here anybody want to forgive me say you're sorry anything because now I'm alone again and this she notices that Jesus is standing right there and Jesus doesn't take that moment to tell her how he feels about her sin because he has some thoughts on her sin all right he doesn't take that moment to say okay this is how I feel about what you've done He takes that moment to build up her faith. And then after he builds up her faith and after they form this bond in this conversation, then he doesn't doesn't judge her, he corrects her. There's a difference, it was done in love. He corrects her, that's what a real friend would do. He builds up her faith. If the person next to you matters, do you build up their faith or are you the one that fuels their feelings? Are you the one, see, when they get angry about something, you jump on that bandwagon, you start pouring gasoline on that thing, like, yeah, let's get mad about this, this is awesome. Do you build their faith or fuel their feelings? Here's the last one, number three. Real friendship exists loudly. Real friendship exists loudly. When you have a real friendship with someone, it existed before you ever spoke about it. You, you ever notice that uh, about, about your friends? You know, we, we act out our friendship before we ever admit to being someone's friend. You know, if I were to walk up to somebody I didn't know tonight, i said, say, hey, you're my boy, we're friends. All right, They'd say, yeah, yeah, we're friends. Yeah, just, we're at the same church at the same time. We're all friends, we all love you. Yeah, that's great. But we're not really friends, that's all talk. But, but I, I see Aaron back there. If I were to look at Aaron and I say, hey, Aaron, we're friends, he'd be like, yeah, we have, we have a history And and before Aaron and I ever said, hey, we are friends, people could walk into a room and be like, I think those two guys are friends. They hang out a lot. They encourage each other. They're nice to each other. They say good things about each other. They they talk to each other. They they like the same things. I think those guys are friends. Real friends exist loudly. Fake friends are just loud. So, with, with these people, they get to this point, and, and Joshua is giving them the, the instructions, and he says, Don't talk, don't say a word, say nothing. And I think that instruction was specifically for the fake friends that were in the line. Because I think Joshua knew that there would be people that would be like, I'm tired. I'm hungry. They say everything that my six-year-old says in the back of the car. I don't like this. This isn't easy. And here's what I know when you're really close to somebody. When they begin to get loud and express how they feel, their attitude begins to spread. Especially if you're not saying what they're saying, but you're thinking what they're saying. Because you're having just as difficult a time as they are. You just don't voice it. So Joshua's like, we can't have anyone. We can't have anyone speaking anything negative in this moment because this is going to be difficult. Like difficult? They're just walking around a wall. They didn't know how long they were going to have to walk. They had no idea how long this was going to take. In the situations that you go through, you have no idea. We, can look, we look back on some of the situations in our life. We're like, man, it was so stupid to stress about that. That was so easy But in the middle of it, we didn't know it was only going to last for three days. We thought it was going to be three years. So it wasn't easy. It was actually very difficult. A fake friend will distract you from the promises of God. That's what a loud fake friend will do. Their goal is to distract you from the promises of God. They're quick to point out all the things that aren't going well in order to blind you from what God is doing in your life. They're quick to point out all the things that God is steering you away from to blind you from the things that God is empowering you to do. There's a character in the Bible that did the exact same thing. He is the king of all fake friends, and that's the serpent in the Garden of Eden. He pointed out all the things that they couldn't do, which was one thing, to blind them from the million things that God had empowered them to do. And the mistake that Eve made is she sat there and she listened to him. And she allowed his attitude to become her attitude. Because if who you're next to matters most, the things that they begin to think and the attitude that they begin to have become your attitude. Fake friends are very, very powerful things. A real friend exists loudly. A fake friend is just loud. So once again, who I'm right next to will determine what's next. It determines what gets built up in my life. It determines what gets torn down in my life. And so here's how this, here's how this story ends, because they had to face the fake friends. The fake friends had to keep their mouths shut. The people had to build up their faith. They had to continue to walk and go over the same footsteps every single day. So here's what happens. They march around the wall once for six days. Six days straight, one lap, and then they would go back. But then on the seventh day, they march around seven times. And at the very last lap, Joshua finally points to him and then says, All right, shout. Your faith has existed loudly. Now it's time for it to get loud. And as soon as they raise this shout, it says the wall fell, and everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. There's an important piece to that right there. And we don't ever think about it. A wall that is 50 feet tall and 20 feet wide is going to make a mess. All right, there, there's going to be a lot of debris laying everywhere, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible actually makes it a point to say they charged straight in and took the city. They, they've done archaeological digs over there, and they have found near where they believe this city was remnants of a wall that is 20 feet thick buried under the ground. So here's what, here, here's, as, as a believer, here's what I say, that God said, and the thing sank straight into the ground because that's the only way that these people are charging straight in. Here's another thing about charging straight in. If you have to go over a lot of rubble and a lot of debris, you can only go one at a time. So you have these little paths of people going through there. If there's no debris, you and the person right next to you and the person right next to you and the person right next to them and the person right next to them, you can all charge straight in together and take hold of the promise that God has for you, because that is the only way that they are taking hold of the promise that God has for them, is for all of them to go in together. Are you someone that is helping the people closest to you take hold of the promises of God? Or are you someone who distracts them from where God wants them to go?